1: All right, welcome back to another fantastic episode of the podcast. Today we are talking with Martin Jenkins. How are you, sir?
0: I'm very well, mate. How are you?
1: Doing fantastic. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
0: Absolutely. I obviously am from Cincinnati, as you can tell by my accent. (laughs) Now, I'm originally from Wales in the UK. um, and I've been over here since, I think, 97. And I'm the lead singer and band manager and mother and everything else for the band Absolute Queen that are coming, I think, the third time to Roanoke this summer.
1: Excellent. Yeah, third time. Yeah, I saw, I saw that you guys are coming to the Dr. Pepper Park, and I, that's one show I'm looking forward to hopefully attending.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, we, we, this will be the third time we played there. And the last two times have been absolutely insane. It was a a privilege to come, you know, in COVID times, um, even though it was restricted in numbers. You wouldn't have guessed it by the number of people that turned out. It was uh, it's a, it's a very special place to us. Wynette has treated us so well, and uh, I can't believe the number of Queen fans that's up there. I don't have to do a lot of singing really, because all all the crowd
1: do it all for me. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me, how did you uh, get into music and when did you when did you uh, know that you were going to uh, be part of a band?
0: Um, oh, I started singing when I was back in Wales in a, in a church singing Amazing Grace all those years ago. But I was in a Queen tribute band in the UK for about 10, 12 years, um, toured all over Europe, actually played with uh, Brian May and Roger Taylor of Queen and was really involved with the Queen International Fan Club and the Mercury Phoenix Trust, which was set up by Queen after Freddie died. And we played all over the place in, you know, Ireland, Netherlands, Germany, France. And then when I moved to America, I kind of, I was in an ACDC band, and I still am for um, the last, like, 18 years uh, down in Florida. And then we started this Queen project about about three years ago, but obviously with COVID, um, We we came to a crunching halt, and then now it's just gone crazy. So it's taken a while to find the right musicians. Um, You know, I'm I'm coping with the ones I've got. Right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they're all right. They're all right. They're a good bunch of lads. I can talk, say what I like about you because they know you. But uh, yeah, just trying to find the right musicians, and then you know, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie hit. And to be honest with you, coming from Britain, where you know Queen is bigger than the Beatles, top-selling album of all time in Britain is Queen Greatest Hits. I thought everyone knew the story of Queen, but obviously in America, um, there's a lot of stuff they didn't know. And you know, it's, it's I think last year it was the fifth biggest film, the fifth biggest-selling film in the USA. It's just blown my mind how many people have responded to it.
1: Yeah, and I I love Queen, but I don't really know a whole lot of the background of the band themselves.
0: Yeah, it, it's quite a surprise because you know, I, I, being a Queen aficionado from Britain, I thought everyone knew everything. But they stopped touring over here back in God, it was nineteen eighty four. It was after they released the um, the video for "I Want to Break Free," which was actually a a, a a kind of a Mickey take of a British sitcom where they dressed up as as sort of like all women from characters of it. And, and America didn't take too kindly to that in the 80s because they didn't know anything about the, the sitcom of Freddie being who he is. Instead of, well, if they don't like it, stardom will never tour there again. And they didn't.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. So A lot of people never really saw Queen until, you know, Queen of Paul Rogers and now Queen with Adam Lambert. But the actual story of Queen, yeah, I, it, it's amazed me. I, I do a lot of stories within the, the set, you know, from various things that I've, you know, various people I've met, the Queen organization in Britain, and people from the film that I've met. Um, and it, and it, it, it engages the audience because they really haven't, it's all brand new stuff to them. Whereas in Britain, it would be, ah, we know it all anyway, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I I didn't know that they they stopped touring back in the eighties. Yeah, nineteen
0: eighty four, I
1: think, was the last the last time they played in, in America,
0: and then um, but they, they you know they only did really one tour after that, the kind of magic tour, which was after Live Aid, and then you know stopped Freddie decided that he was he didn't want to tour anymore, um, and really it was you know the latter after he died that they picked it back up again. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people haven't heard these songs live, and, and that's a problem. Because a lot of people only know the studio versions of Queen, right? Um, whereas, you know, when they when, when they see a band, they expect it to, to do the studio versions, and there's only five of us. So we spent about a year affecting the show. Um, we What we did is we went in and we re-recorded all the backing vocals of things like Bohemian Rhapsody with our voices, and then what we do is the five of us sing harmonies live over those voices so that it sounds big like the album, but it's actually our voices. And it was the most stupid decision we ever made because we had no idea what we were letting ourselves in. Like I said, it took us about 18 months to get it all done. Wow. And we actually, i tell you a story. We actually got hold of our, our keyboard player engineer who's a Pro Tools instructor, and he managed to get all of the original tapes of um, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, from the studio individually tracked, so they weren't mixed. So the problem you've got with someone like Bohemian Rhapsody, a lot of it is harmonies, but a lot of it is actually vocal lines, individual vocal lines, but you can't pick it out if you're listening to the whole thing. And I'm in the studio recording things, and then all of a sudden... I'll hear Freddie's voice go, oh, damn it, I messed that up. Let's do it again. And it freaked me out completely because we had everything. We had all the tracks that they did. We didn't know which, which to copy and which not to copy. It was really weird. Wow. You know, going through the cans. Yeah, yeah. We got permission to use them um, to, to develop it. But, yeah. So now when we play, you know, we we can sound... Like, not, not obviously not like Queen, we, we, it's our voices, our five different voices, but they're all stacked on top of our live voices, so you get the full Queen sound like it is on the record.
1: That is so cool.
0: Yeah, it was, well, it, I, it, in hindsight, I think we bit off more than we could chew. Isn't this thing like Bicycle Race, right? It's three minutes long. It took us three months to do because they were just incredible at doing backing vocals, you know all the stack harmonies and stuff. But, you know, there are a few Queen bands out there, but they tend to do the four-piece live versions. And we just wanted to offer the crowd a bit something a little bit different. I've done the four-piece live, you know, back in Europe, but I wanted to make it more like a studio, you know, um, quality production that we do. That's awesome. Yeah, um, this is going very well,
1: yeah. Where, where have you guys toured? Uh, like what? What were some of the venues?
0: Um, well, we, we mostly do at the moment. I'm um, at the moment is crazy. We've got we've got 61 contracted gigs to the end of the year already, and it's only March. Um, we we can't keep up with the demand. A lot of places we play are, are sort of festivals. Um, casinos, places like Dr. Pe- Pepper Park, you know, what I would call a town festival. But in Florida and Georgia, we play a lot of these private communities as well. There's these huge developments that have theaters of 1,000, 1,500, but they're private. Uh, we play a lot of those as well. And, you know, the age group for Queen at the moment is from, like, God, like 7 to 97 because of this movie. It's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. I haven't and seen also- the movie yet, but I need to go see it. I need to
0: watch it. I I, got to be honest, you'll probably be in the minority of not seeing it, because whenever I ask people, I would say 80%, 90% put their hands in the air. It's almost like they've done their homework before they come and see us. So we tend to play. The set is basically all the songs off Bohemian Rhapsody uh, movie soundtrack, as many as we can do, and then some other ones as well. But we try and do it because people want to hear the big hits, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we'd like to play the deep cuts and the, you know, the heavy guitar songs and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it, with this film being so prevalent out there, that um, you, you you've got to play to you know what what the crowd want, and it's and it's a wonderful experience.
1: Yeah, and you know, with with Doctor Pepper Park, man, it's 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 a great venue. Uh, I love yeah. the fact that it's outside.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. It's, it's, I would say it's top five venue for us to play um, because the crowd, you know, they know us because this will be the third time we played there. I think we're the only band that's played, like, three years running in the season. And um, it, the crowd just come back, and they just go nuts, absolutely nuts. And it's, it's an incredible experience to watch, you know, play Radio Gaga, and everyone's got their hands in the air doing the hand clap. Um, it's quite humbling because I didn't write the bloody song. I'm just copying it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wish I had. There you go. So It's an awesome venue. And the whole concert series, the quality of the bands that Wernette brings to that place is, is uh, amazing. I mean, we travel all the way up from Tampa for, um, and we take the, the truck up with us because we want to give everyone the full production with the, with the great big white grand piano and the stage rooms and everything like that. But yeah, it's it's you know bands travel from all over the country to play that venue because it's so cool. I, it's very few like it, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think she does a fantastic job putting stuff oh, together she, as well. She's
0: absolutely awesome to us. She's really awesome, um, and I think she keeps getting to stay as well because her her husband is a massive Queen fan.
1: So oh I wow! Think, I didn't. Us. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that really helps us. <laughs> So, what? It, it was there an inspiration that made you want to be a musician?
0: Um, I like I said, like I, said I was singing all my life in, in in churches, and I was in bands, you know, rock bands when when I was younger. Um, and I was always my favorite bands were like Queen, Led Zeppelin, Judas Priest, those kind of bands with the high tenor singing, and and really the Queen thing happened. A bit later in life for me, it was like 1990, 1991, I think, 92. And what happened? I was in an originals band back in Wales. And to be honest, we weren't very good. But we used to do four or five Queen songs in this one venue um, that booked us. The, Brian Mayne was doing his first solo tour after after Freddie died. And um, the venue was right opposite. It, and he said, look, can you just come in and do a Queen set? Don't play your, your own rubbish. I want, we just want Queen. So we learned this set of Queen and the place was you know, obviously mob with Queen fans coming from the Brian May and then I looked on the balcony, we were halfway through and right staring at me was Brian May and Cozy Powell who was the drummer of Brian May's band and I froze because I'd seen the concert and run over and he gave me a big thumbs up or the band a big thumbs up and from there I sort of said okay that I'm gonna, I've got the seal of approval, I'm going to carry on singing Queen. And from then, we met Brian may a few times and got involved with the fan club and everything. So really, that was my start with Queen, yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Um,
0: he's, he's a very, very, very nice man. I've met um, also, you know, I know you haven't seen the film, but I know a lot of the listeners may have seen it, but there's, there's a lady, Mary, who's uh, Freddie's partner all the way through life, really, um who he left all his estate to. I met her a couple of times. i have met the guy that was with him all the way to his death, Jim Jim Hutton. I uh, met him a couple of times. Um and various people in the Queen organization. So yeah, it it's it's good to tell those stories over here, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um so within regards to some of the stuff that you guys play, I know I know you mentioned you play a lot of the the big hits um, yeah. Do you play stuff that that people may or may not know?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, a, a classic example is like that. There's a song in a film. Um, so this is going way back. I don't know if you remember a film called Highlander. I do. Um, oh, you do. Okay. So so what happened was Queen did the soundtrack to Highlander, and it became the kind of magic movie. And there's a song on there called "Who Wants to Live Forever," and it's in the movie, but it's in the background of playing in the background as Freddie finds out that he's um, HIV positive. And we got asked by so many people to play the song, even though kind of no one knows it over here. But the impact live, it's going down unbelievably well because it's such a strong song, strong, huge power ballad. Um, That's an example of, of, of us doing stuff that, you know, we want to do, but but we got so much requests on social media to do it, we ended up doing it. And also, there's a medley we do, um, which is a deep cut from Night at the Opera, which is um, uh, Death on Two Legs and Seven Seas Orion, and now I'm here. They, they are sort of like the, the crowd sit back and listen to them, but, the, you know, it's not exactly another one bites the dust or crazy little thing called Love or Somebody to Love, you know? So we do, we do, do, do stuff off it. We can do a load more, but, you know, you lose the audience, you know.
1: Right. Um, I'm curious. What do you think the best Queen song is?
0: Oh, that's a oh, good
1: grief. That's a great
0: question. My my personal favorite to sing and play, and I think the rest of the band is is the song "Somebody to Love." You know that one? I do. Um, that one is kind of like I think Freddie hit a high with that. It's very. Operatic, very a uh, almost gospel singing. He was um, influenced by Aretha Franklin doing it, and just the response to the crowd. It's, it's an unusual song because it's got that whole middle section of the big harmonies and everything. But I think that's probably my favorite. My favorite to sing, as far as my favorite Queen song. God, I haven't got a clue. It's probably somebody to love as well. Yeah, because I know. So-
1: Go There's so Yeah, uh, I know that. You know, for me, it, it, just seeing the the all around uh, stuff that they've done, I, you know, I I, I, I want to say Bohemian Rhapsody is is one of the one of the top five at least.
0: Oh, it, I mean, it, everyone says it's the you know favorite. So I was trying to go off off pattern a little bit with Bohemian Rhapsody. Obviously, you know that's the one that took us the longest to do, and we're we're one of the few bands out there that do the whole thing. So most of most bands, if you see that, they they a bit like when they played Live Aid, they start at the piano bit, they don't do the Figaro Galileos, and then they come onto the heavy bit. We actually stupidly decided if we're going to do it, we'll do it all, uh, it was probably one of the dumbest decisions we ever made. But it, it, it's really weird. I got to tell you, when we play it, it's it's like the band and the audience connect and we go through it together because they know we haven't got 250 voices up there. We need everyone singing. But, yeah, it's a, it's probably the, the highlight and the most special part of the night is when we do Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah.
1: So I've, I've talked to a, a few tribute bands uh, over yeah. the past, but um, when you guys do perform, do you guys perform in, like, what they wore?
0: Yeah. So I was very lucky when in Britain I had a, um, a connection over there to a costume designer. So uh, I I got jackets made like Freddie wore on the last tours, the, the yellow jacket, you know? Yeah. The famous yellow jacket. And he had like a red and white version. Then I got someone from the set at the 80s when it was like a, a leather jacket version. I had exactly that one made. So I try and, I try and, um, look look like him and try and do some of the moves, but no one can really do what he do, does. But then in between the songs, I kind of resort to myself. Um, some guys try and stay in character as Freddie, but because I'm telling so many stories, you know, that are interesting stuff, I, I do that myself. So it's a little bit different. But our Brian May has got the curly hair, and the, he's got three of the Brian May guitars, and, you know, the white shirt and everything. Um, and then we got the big white piano as well on stage. That There's five of us that actually perform. I can't play piano, but we have a, a guy that plays piano, sings, and plays guitar or something. Queen, when they played live, always had another person in the band called Spike Edney who doubled up on the keyboards and did rhythm guitar. Because um, when Freddie was singing, obviously prancing around, he couldn't play the piano at the same time. Right. So we got five of us on stage doing it. We try and look, especially me and the Brian May, try and do it as best as we can. But, I mean, you know, no one's really comfortable being Freddie. He was such a bloody one-off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was
1: definitely a character.
0: Yeah. And I kind of like, you know, almost like take the mickey out of myself doing it, you know. But, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, I got enough to do to sing this stuff. But <laughs> without everything else, because it's a challenge. You said it earlier on. You said like the diversity in the Queen songs is crazy. You know, I mean, you've got a crazy little thing called "Love," which is like a country and western thing. You know, you've got Bohemian Rhapsody, which is opera, heavy rock, and a ballad all in one song. It, yeah, so it's it's really up and down the scales. It's uh, it's a joy to sing, but it's also
1: absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I can only imagine. But you know, it sounds like. When it comes to tribute bands, you, you got to put a little bit of yourself into what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: I think, well, it, it's, and I think as well, because I come from Britain with the accent and everything, and I got the stories, it's sort of slightly different. Whereas if you're doing a tribute, you know, and you got a thick Louisiana accent speaking as Freddie, it'll sound a bit daft.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. So what, what venues do you guys have in coming up other than Dr. Pepper Park, which I think oh, is in uh, May, right?
0: Yeah, we just, we just played, um, we just headlined SeaWorld Amphitheater down here in Orlando. Um, this weekend we got three shows. The one on Saturday is sold out. That's like the 4500 at the Meisner Amphitheater over in Boca Raton. Um, next month we got a couple of corporate things there, but next month, we go to, this, this is kind of cool, I don't know if you know, but it's the Queen's Jubilee in Britain for 75 years um, as Queen. Uh, and, and it's on June the 3rd, and we've been asked to go to the Cayman Islands, which is you know, part of the sovereignty, to represent Queen as Queen playing to the island. And they're expecting like, was it 10,000 to be there for that? It's a massive honor to be doing
1: that for us. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. So you guys are yeah, traveling pretty much al- almost around the world.
0: Yeah, and after that, I think the next week we're going up to Canada to uh, Steinbeck, which is near Winnipeg. We're out on the West Coast as well. Um, and then we got another one coming up um, in the middle of finishing now up down in um, Peru in uh, Lima. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's it's kind of all... but we're we're going to be up in Roanoke and Pennsylvania and New Jersey in the summer. Um, we're just finalizing some more places up there now, um, but the Roanoke one is a is it's a very special one for us, you know. I
1: got to be honest. Now is that is that in July?
0: Uh, you know, let me look up my trusty calendar, which is never right. <laughs> I think it's um, I think the date of Roanoke is. Uh, I'll be able to look here a second. I know it's, I think it's June, actually. Uh, it's it's actually June, June the 24th on a Friday night.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'll definitely have to put the word out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know, with, you know, when it does the marketing and everything, and we've already had so many people have said they're coming back, you know, can't wait to see us, and they've seen us. This will be the third time and everything. It's, uh, it's a very special night for us, mate. It really is.
1: Now, do you do any kind of meet and greets at some of these venues you get to?
0: Yeah, always at Roanoke. There's a little place on the side where we meet and greet and try and take as many photos. Um, And the the first time we played, there was pre-COVID, we had a a thing to sell. You know, we sell some T-shirts. And the line was, we were there, this is no word of a line, we were there for two and a half hours after the show. Signing photos and meeting everyone, and taking photos with all the kids. There were so many kids that it was it was an incredible experience. Wayne, had to actually say that you have to go home now. That's enough, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, cool was, that you guys do that.
0: Yeah, two and a half. Well, you know, we we love to meet everyone. We try and ask, straight after the show, we kind of say, "Look, we'll meet you outside and take photos with us, and you know, come and meet us." And it's a very you know, we're very open. I think because I do talk a lot to the audience throughout the show with the stories and everything, I think they don't feel like, you know, they feel very much enamored to us that they come and meet us and, and speak to us, and, and we love to hear them. One story for you, mate, is two weeks ago, we were playing a place in Florida, and a theatre, and I come out, and walk past this, this lady. She must have been in her 70s or 80s, Indian lady, she looked like. And I thought she looked like somebody. Anyway, about 10 minutes later, she comes over to me. She's only Freddie Mercury's cousin. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've got a card. I've been emailing with her. She's been telling me stories about him. Um, Yeah. Freddie Mercury's cousin lives in Florida. Can you believe that?
1: That's wild. What a small world.
0: Yeah. 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 She told me some great stories. It it was really nice. But you never know who you're going to meet, right?
1: That is very true. Do you have any stories that you could share with me and my listeners?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll leave it with this one. Um, So where where Queen recorded uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was actually where I'm from in South Wales in the UK. So the studio was called Rockfield Studios, which is about 20 miles from where I grew up, where my family still are. Um, And about 15 years ago, me and my wife visited there. Um, we were just driving past, and the guy was, who owns the place was outside. And I pulled over, and I said, is this, you know, and he goes, yeah, come on in. And his name was Kingsley Ward, and uh, he was, he's been the owner. It was the first residential studio. So if you see the film, your listeners that have seen the film, it's the bit where they're doing the Galileos and the Figaros and they show a studio that's like a farmyard with chickens. Well, that's, that's a movie set, but it's virtually identical to where Rockfield Studios is. You tracking with me so far? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we went there and we were having tea with him and his wife and he showed me around the studios and then he pulled this barn door open and there's this upright piano in the corner, old beaten thing. And he told me a story about this. He said in back when they were doing the, the track Bohemian Rhapsody, he got a knock on the door four o'clock in the morning, and it's Freddie in bright pink pajama bottoms and a Donald Duck T shirt. <laughs> four o'clock in the morning. He's asleep with his wife. And he goes, and he always called people, darling, he said, darling, Kingsley, Kingsley, I've got the music for this section, but I need you to record it now. And he's like, it's four o'clock in the morning. But you couldn't say no to him. And he wheeled the piano out because he wanted to do it under the moonlight. And he said, I'm there, the moonlight, the piano, six chickens <laughs> going around their feet. And he watched him write the music to the middle section, which is I see a little silhouette of a man, all that. Off the, off the top of his head, and recorded it on a little cassette recorder.
1: Wow.
0: So he was the only person there that ever heard the first time that Freddie ever played it. And they were really excited about it. In the morning, they were all sat down for breakfast. They played it to the rest of Queen, and the rest of the band hated it. And they walked away and said, it's rubbish. That'll never, never happen. And he persevered by himself on a piano for 48 hours. Didn't really speak the rest of the band. And then he put words to it, and it ended up as the middle section of Bohemian Rhapsody. So if he hadn't persevered, Kingsley told me, you would not have had Bohemian Rhapsody. It probably would have been two separate songs. The start would have been a ballad, and the end would have been a heavy rock song. But it was that middle bit that gelled it all together. And I asked him if he'd sell me the piano, and I won't tell you what he
1: said to me. That—that <laughs> That is awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that, that he was that talented into into making music, I mean... He was an incredible
0: pianist, he gets very little credit for it because of his... probably the greatest rock singer ever, but incredible pianist, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing story, there's this beaten up thing, and there's actually a couple of photos on the internet that shows him playing that actual piano, and they used that as one of the pianos on the actual recording of Bohemian Rhapsody, Kingsley Ward told me, and that studio is very famous um the two big uh, oasis albums which is the biggest i think debut album ever in britain they were recorded there the band rush recorded two albums there um led zeppelin robert plant recorded there um yeah big big names recorded there yeah cold wow. Play, yeah you two, you name it have used this studio uh and queen did two albums night at the opera and a day at the races there and it's in a tiny little i'll give you the end of the story uh, two weeks ago i was visiting my dad and um, I have a motorcycle over there. And I actually went past Rockfield and took a photo of it to remember it. And that was only two
1: weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. I know, you know, it it, it must be somewhat difficult to try to have the range that he had when he was singing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I try, I try my best, but, you know, this guy was just unbelievable. He could sing anything. I mean, from – You know, vaudeville, the country, the heavy rock, the ballads, the gospel. I mean, he made his voice, like, could could go anywhere. Um, I try my best, but I don't come anywhere near him. You know, I've got the upper tenor voice. I try and hit the big notes. But when I'm singing it, I'm like, you know, I hate you, Freddie. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. You know, I'm looking at the upper tenor voice, and I think a a lot of times my passion for the music gets me through, you know.
1: Yeah, and and, and and talking to other people, you definitely got to have the passion for, for it, and it sounds like you guys are all in.
0: Yeah, I would say that, that, you know, I've had this, wanted to do Queen over here for, you know, since I've been over here, but finding the people that really want to do it is very difficult. And then these musicians that I had doing our other tributes, ACDC and um, um, Def Leppard, that we, they, they approached me three years ago and said, Why don't we do Queen? And it was before the movie. And um, we we scoped it all out. And I said, Look, if we're going to do this, we've got to do it properly. And then now 80% of our shows are Queen, and we, we can't fit in ACDC anymore, but such as the demand, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know, you know, until today that you guys had an ACDC cover band. I mean, that's one well, of the.
0: Yeah, highway to hell. We um, yeah, we, we've been going for about oh god, seventeen years down in Florida, and we've been all over the place traveling as well. And I've had, I've sang with Brian Johnson and and um, Cliff Williams out of ACDC. We know Brian very very well. He gives us a lot of stuff to for for auctions and charities and stuff like that because he lives in Sarasota, just down the road from us. Wow. Yeah. So and he's put us on the ACDC website. Um. Yeah, it's been, been. Uh, it was a challenge to change my voice from Brian Johnson to Freddie Murphy. You know? <laughs>
1: oh, I, I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah, he's he's one guy I'd love to to talk to for sure. At he's some so,
0: point. Mate, He is so funny, and of course, coming from Britain, he comes from Newcastle. Um, my my team Manchester United are arch rivals to his team Newcastle. So you know, whenever I met him, we've always gone in a bit of a spat with it. I know his wife as well very very well. He's just a super nice guy, very unassuming, will talk to anybody and he's been very very nice to the band. We we
1: do have a lot of fun with the acdc stuff. That's cool. I'll have to figure out a way to reach out to him.
0: Yeah, he's is really he's really really nice guy. Very very nice guy he is. And I, I don't know whether, you know, they they had a problem, obviously he had a problem with his hearing and the last tour he had to bow out and uh, Axl Rose replaced you know, him for that tour. Um and that but they just released a new album last year, Power Up and we do some songs off it. So he's still singing out there. And whether they play live again, I don't know. I mean A C D C is a strenuous show. It's it's hard going. And I think Brian now is seventy seventy five or seventy six. Oh wow. Yeah he's 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 getting up there. He wouldn't like me to say it, but yeah he's getting up there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll have to figure out how to reach out to him. That's one guy I've always wanted to meet. Yeah, he's,
0: he's such a—he's so funny, and he's done some great TV shows as well. You know, of recently with the Cars and meeting rock stars and stuff. You know, meeting Sting and Robert Plant and stuff like that. He's—he's he's just a—he's a, just such a down-to-earth guy. He's—he's he's one of the
1: nicest guys you could ever meet. So, are you guys on? I know you're on Facebook. I think.
0: Yes. I mean, mostly if people want to, want to get information on us, so the best thing is the website, which is absolutequeenrocks.com, and then the Facebook is absolutequeenrocks Rocks as well. Excellent. Well, so um, there's this video, promotional video, there's this doing a, you know, if you're like, ah, they can't do Bohemian Rhapsody, go on there and we'll prove to you that we can't do
1: Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. <laughs> well, hey. We have,
0: go, we have a go of it, yeah.
1: You, you guys are amazing. I can't wait till you guys come up here. Um, I, I definitely want to try to work something out where I can come meet you.
0: Oh, you better after taking up an hour of my time when I could be in the pub. Right?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, you, you owe me at least a pint, mate, you know?
1: <laughs> Very true. Yeah, well, please,
0: I, hope, I hope we get a chance to meet you. I don't know, maybe we'll get your ass up there to sing We Are the Champions with us, you know?
1: There you go. Yeah, I'll uh, definitely have to uh, get some tickets and, and come see you. Yeah, no problem at all. Get Wayne at to give you a free one. Say, I told you. There you go. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. But hey, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you guys are going like crazy.
0: Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, it's been really good. And uh, like I said, we can't wait to come up on the 24th and see everyone. Please come out and come out and say hello to us, and let's just have a you know a really really
1: good night. Definitely, I hope you have a wonderful one as well.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, my friend.
1: You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Take care. All right.